Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 158. Royal Caribbean's fleet of 25 ships means there's lots of great choices to choose from, and the newest ship in the fleet is actually its oldest. Empress of the Seas is back in Royal Caribbean, and this week, we're sharing a first-hand review of what Empress of the Seas offers. What Empress may lack in size, she makes up for in unique experiences and great destinations. Here we go. They say what's old is new again, and while I'm not sure who they are, we're definitely talking about Royal Caribbean's newest ship in the fleet, which also happens to be its oldest. Empress of the Seas rejoined Royal Caribbean's fleet after eight years of being transferred to a sister company, and with the return, a lot of my listeners have been wondering what the ship offers, and we're lucky enough to have someone who just sailed on her to share what a cruise on Empress is all about. Michael Poole is a blogger at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com and also gets as very giddy. When he spots a slight price difference in the drink package, enjoys long bike rides in summer heat, and is barely older than the ship we're about to talk about, welcome to the show, Michael. Oh, Matt. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to share the Empress of the Seas with you guys. This is going to be a great time, and she's a great ship. Absolutely. Now, many of you probably listening know that Michael actually did a live blog, fantastic live blog, in fact, about his adventures on Empress of the Seas, and I will post a link to that in our show notes at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, so you can go read it for yourself. It's really interesting. Uh, Michael did a great job of kind of documenting a lot of the ship, and Michael, this was, I don't know, just based on my reading of it, it kind of seemed like a new ship, even though it's obviously the oldest ship in the fleet. Yeah, that was definitely my first impressions walking on board, Matt. When I first walked on, I was just like, wow, because the decor is very modern-looking. It's not older chairs that they, you know, refinished. Everything is just brand new. You know, even in the Windjammer, the chairs are very sleek and thin. Um, it definitely has a new ship feel on the inside. Awesome. It, I mean, it's it's really intriguing. I got to say, a lot of people have been talking about it since its return because, of course, it's a, a older ship. Uh, it's, in fact, if you're wondering what class of ship is it, Matt? Well, it's its own class of ship. There are no sister ships to it. It's just Empress of the Seas, and it's a ship, so a little bit of backstory. Empress of the Seas was in Royal Caribbean's fleet way back in the day. She was transferred out in 2008, as newer ships are coming online. They transferred out just like they did to Monarch of the Seas or or Sovereign of the Seas, right? And the fast forward a little bit of time, the sister company they transferred her to, Pullmanter, is it's owned by Royal Caribbean. It's kind of like celebrities owned by Royal Caribbean. There's Royal Caribbean Cruises Limited and there's Royal Caribbean International. I go, I know it gets kind of confusing, but Royal Caribbean owns all these companies, and she, uh, Empress was over in Pullmanter, and Pullmanter has gone under some really odd times. Unfortunately, the they they bet heavy on the South American economy and didn't really work out all that well. So a couple, what about a year or two ago now, they announced Royal Caribbean announced that they were going to transfer Empress back to the fleet, and she's now serving the Royal Caribbean International, cruising out of Miami, offering four and five night cruises to destinations in the Caribbean. And Michael got a chance to go on her. Michael, you went on a four night. Uh, cruise. I, don't, I was going to say Western Caribbean, but you went to Key West and you went to your your beloved Coco Cay. <laughs> That's right. We went to Key West and Coco Cay, which you know, if you know me and my cruising style, anytime I can go to Coco Cay, you know it's going to be a great cruise, man. <laughs> Absolutely. And and to give you some good, I think this is a really good perspective here because Michael really does enjoy a lot of the smaller ships. One of your favorite ships we've often heard you talk about is Enchantment of the Seas. You've been on Majesty of the Seas. Certainly, this is not your first foray into a smaller ship in Royal Caribbean's fleet. So let's start with the most obvious question, Michael. How small is Empress and does it feel small? How small is Empress? Well, to be honest with you, when you first walk on, you walk through the Centrium, and you can notice it's a little smaller than the Enchantment 
Majesty Syndrome. But other than that, most of the venues throughout Empress of the Seas are actually quite large. Um, for example, the Schooner Bar is, you know, it's very large, in fact. Um, it has a wraparound bar in a way. So if you've ever sailed on Majesty, you know, the, the Schooner Bar is very long. On the Empress, it kind of wraps around. But there is so many chairs. It's not small in the, in the slightest bit. Um, even, you know, Chops Grill, it, you know, very large venue. So most of the venues are built very large. Now, I will say if you're asking, well, how small? There's not a lot of venues on Empress of the Seas. So um, the venues are large, but there's not a lot of variety if you usually like to kind of bounce around. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction, Michael, because, you know, we talk about smaller ships in general, right? What's the difference between an Oasis-class ship and, and even a Freedom-class ship or a Voyager-class ship or a Radiance-class ship? You know, I often tell people it's it's about managing expectations and understanding the differences, right? I mean, even on a, even on a Freedom-class ship, right, you only have one flow rider. You don't have an Aqua Theater. You don't have 270, right, on a, on a Quantum-class ship, Um so there, there are certainly differences, but understanding the differences is the key. So it's not to say you can't enjoy a, a cruise on Empress of the Seas. I think you just have to understand what it offers, what it doesn't offer, and what you're looking for. And it sounded to me like, Michael, and you, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this based on your experience on there. It seems like you just had a great time really relaxing and enjoying you know, taking cruising a lot less uh, – Difficultly, and what I mean by that is like you know, make it's a lot more enjoyable. Like you can just sit back and relax, and just you know, hey, you know, Kesara, Sara, whatever happens, happens. And, and was that kind of really your your take on it as well? Yeah, it's definitely a different type of cruise. I felt like it was a much slower pace, meaning that you weren't running from show to this or to that. It was just slowing down, relaxing, and enjoying the day. There are shows on Empress of the Seas. Um, I did not partake in any of the shows, but I heard some pretty positive feedback. But again, you know, that's your cruising style, whatever you choose to do. But it, it's a slower paced cruise. So if you're looking for just, you know, you're uptight at work or whatever it may be, and you need a relaxing weekend and the right price point, I think give, get Empress of the Seas a shot. What do you think Empress does really well, Michael? Um, well, I will say something unique and different about Empress of the Seas, and of course we have to talk about food, Matt, is so Empress of the Seas has a different flair, what they're calling Sunday brunch um, on sea days. I, I think they originally advertised it every day, and, and it may still be seen on the website that way, but they do a Sunday brunch on sea days. So in the main dining room, they have – you know, a big setup that you would almost find at home for a Sunday brunch, but just so many variety of options. And one thing that makes it different than what you might have experienced on other ships is it's complimentary mimosas and Bloody Marys for everybody in the dining room while you're there having brunch. So pretty cool, uh, especially if you don't have the drink package and you're looking to, you know, get the biggest bang for your buck. You know, you can sit there and have some some beverages on, on Royal Caribbean. That's a great perk. I mean, obviously, free alcohol. I mean, most people are always, their ears are going to perk up at that one, right? Because who doesn't enjoy a free drink? I'm, I know I don't. I mean, I do. <laughs> but uh, that, that's good, that's good to, to hear about in that they you know, they are trying to differentiate the ship a little bit and not just make it another ship in the fleet by offering these kinds of activities. And the, and the brunch thing was something that I think a lot of people picked up on as, as a very cool activity on board. Um, what are some other things that you really enjoyed doing on Empress? So they have um, – you'll find often there's many like 
line dancing classes, um, just different styles of dancing. So it's, it's different as far as entertainment goes. It's more interactive. So they have like dancing on the pool, dancing in boleros. It's very guided. So they, they really try to be interactive with the educational piece on the dancing. And it kind of goes with the Cuban flair that you'll find throughout the ship. Um, just like the Cuban coffee shop they have. So you'll see these little tastes. Like It's almost like they're gearing up for Cuba, Matt. Yeah, and of course, that's the worst-kept secret in cruising, that hint, hint, wink, wink, Royal Caribbean is you know waiting. They're biding their time, really, is what they're doing, and waiting for permission to open up for them to sail to Cuba. And when that happens, you can bet Empress of the Seas is the ship they're going to send there because... The ports in Cuba are so immature. I'm not, they're, they're just not upgraded. They can't accommodate, I mean, even a Voyager-class ship, let alone an Oasis-class ship. So it, in order to get in there, they need a ship this size like Empress, and it's perfect for that kind of a venue. So, And, and that's also a lot of people are asking, why can't I book a cruise on Empress more than just a couple months in advance? And that's the reasoning uh, as to why they've been kind of weird with, with booking Empress. But um, – it is. I like a lot of what I saw, Michael. Especially you were doing a lot of periscopes and obviously posting on royalcaribbeanblog.com your your adventure there. And tell us about your stateroom because you were in a junior suite. How did this junior suite compare to other junior suites you've been on? And what was the overall, you know, uh, stateroom experience like? Okay, so in all my cruises, I've been in a bunch of junior suites, but I've actually never stayed in a junior suite. So I was. I know. I've stayed in a grand suite. I've stayed in all the other cabins, but I've never physically stayed in a junior suite. So I remember like seeing the cabin and texting you, Matt, I'm in a junior suite. You know, I got a junior suite. So um, it's different on Empress of the Seas. I will say that uh, the cabin itself is around, I believe it's 155 to 160 square feet. So it's very comparable to an ocean balcony on the Oasis classes if you're thinking of size of a cabin. So this junior suite is a little smaller, but again, remember, the ship is very old. However, the cabin was very accommodating. It was very spacious. Um, the bathroom was large enough. You know, I, I was loving the amenities of this suite, and it kind of made me want a suite again more. But uh, they brought fresh fruit in every day, snacks throughout you know, the day. The cabin was great. I, I posted some pictures on the live blog Um and the junior suite is really great value for the four-day getaway. Some of the pricing on it is, is pretty attractable. Interesting. I like that. I mean, it's it's a of course, the junior suite actually is the only category of stateroom on Empress of the Seas that, that it has a balcony. There are no other balcony-type cabins. And, of course, it's more of a, a, a product of its time when, when balcony staterooms were not nearly as ubiquitous as they are today. And it's kind of interesting to to hear all that what did you think about the walking around the ship what's what stood out to you michael in terms of the ambiance the the um you know the decorations on board the ship and and what really kind of what what areas did you really like well i'm glad you brought that up there's one area that i think of right away when you said that and that is going to be the pool deck on the top deck so you know on, on the ships there's normally the main pool deck then you can go up top so on Empress of the Seas, when you go up around the top deck, I encourage you to walk around completely to a full lap. What you're going to see is completely different than you've seen on any Royal Caribbean ship. 
And that's going to be – you're going to see um, hammocks all around. And you've seen pictures. You're probably thinking, oh, I'm never going to be able to get a hammock. Well, there's probably 25 hammocks on the top deck. And wow. every time we went up there, there was always one available. Um, they're all the way around aft, all the way around forward. And they even have some of the, the newer-looking chairs that you'll find in the solarium on the newer ships, Oasis class. So some of those large chairs for two. You'll find a couple of those on the pool deck. So they're really going with, you know, trying new things on the Empress. And so, you know, those to me just make it really fun to do something different and to lay in a hammock all day on the, on a sea day on the top deck. I thought it was really cool. Nice. Sounds like a great thing to, to do. And when I first saw the pictures of a, of a hammock on Empress, I was like, wow, that's kind of a neat idea. I wish they would kind of roll that out to some more ships because I know that you you and I both know actually on, on a lot of the ships they have a lot of extra deck space especially on those upper pool decks especially when you get away from the pool area and that what great incentive right to spread people out and, and you know reward anybody who goes over there to go check it out themselves and, and be able to experience it uh, there because it's it's a it's a perfect idea right who wouldn't want to sit on the, on the balcony there's a great breeze always up there so you know and I can't think of a better place to nap so it sounds like it's a great idea um, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was say yeah. There's nothing better than laying in a hammock, and the bar service guy comes over and brings you a Stella while you're in the hammock. Matt, this was the highlight of my day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, it's the little things in life, people. And for Michael, it's evidently beer in a hammock. So more power to you. I'm not not judging at all. Yes. Oh, it was it was a great time. Um, you know, if you're looking at the Empress of the Seas, I say, you know, try something different. Go for it. It's definitely a different type of cruise than I've been on, Matt. But I, I want to go back. You know, I enjoyed that different, you know, kind of a cruising experience than we're than we're used to on the smaller ships. So it it is really enticing me to just go back on Empress of the Seas. Absolutely, and of course, one of the more compelling reasons to go on Empress is the price, because a lot of the prices you'll see for Empress are significantly less than a lot of other cruises that are out there. So if you're looking for a really inexpensive getaway cruise, for the money, it's really hard to beat, especially considering that a lot of fares begin in the $200 range per person. I mean, that's cheap. You know, that that's really inexpensive. And they're going to places like, I mean, Key West, Key West is one of those places that, look, I live in Florida, but... I won't drive to Key West because it's such a hassle to get to because of the nature of the roads and getting there. But by being able to take a cruise is perfect because then you don't have to worry about that that single lane highway all the way from Miami to the end of Key West, you know, three plus hours. Now you just go on a cruise and you wake up there and and you're there. So, you know, there's that. There's obviously you're going to you're going to Cozumel and eventually maybe think theoretically Cuba and some other destinations. So, you know, some 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 good options there uh, in terms of uh, food. You know, Michael, I. I am impressed. I, I have to say because uh, I, I don't I don't say this easily, but somebody has out eaten me on a cruise, and it is you, sir, um, because you managed to go on a four night cruise four times to Chops Grill, which is the it's the only specialty restaurant on board, right, Michael? That is correct. Um, you'll find the main dining room, the Wind Jammer, and Chops Grill. So those are your three options. And I did go to Chops all four nights. It wasn't planned that way, but it just happened. Long story on how, but really great experience in shops. The staff was phenomenal. Uh, I had the fillet the first three nights, and then the last night I decided I decided to try something different, and I went with the New York uh, strip, and it was phenomenal. Like I couldn't believe how much flavor in this New York strip, but 
really great experience, Chops Grill. If you're on Empress of the Seas, I, I really encourage you to try it. Real quick, I was actually just glancing at your live blog about about Chops, one of many blog posts about Chops that you made. And does the Chops Grill on Empress have the dry age steaks on the menu? It did have the dry age steaks. It also oh, had cool. the I believe it was one fourth of a pound, but it had the the main lobster tail, um, oh, cool. large for an upcharge. I think it was around twenty bucks additional to the cover charge at thirty five. We also should mention, by the way, I haven't done this yet, but Michael was the guest of Royal Caribbean on this cruise. So uh, while the, uh, the certainly the experience was the gift of Royal Caribbean, I, Michael, I think it's safe to say that your experiences are still your own and your opinions are on your own. No one's pointing any guns to your head. No one's uh, making you do anything against your will to say any of these things. Is that correct? <laughs> That's correct. All right. Good. Just want to make sure we get that out of the way. Uh, it is an important distinction to, to make. But, you know, I mean, I, I think that. Here's the question for you, Michael. There's a number of cruises going out of South Florida these days. You have Empress. You have Enchantment. You even have, for short cruises, I mean, out of Port Canaveral, you have, of course, uh, Majesty of the Seas. Come winter, you're going to have Independence of the Seas going out of Fort Lauderdale doing four and five nights. How would you handicap the decision here in terms of, you know, why would you pick Empress over one of the other ships and or, or vice versa. What, what really stands out? Where do you where do you think the strengths are for Empress in terms of someone deciding which ship do I pick if I want to go on a you know four five night kind of escape type cruise? Well, I think you can go about this two different ways. So first is going to be if you're a first timer and you've never cruised at all. I think the Empress would be a good starting point on a short sailing. So I would really recommend the four night weekend sailing. But you could also look at it completely different, like somebody like myself who's done the Enchantment seven times. Of course, I love the Enchantment. It'll always be my favorite. But at some point, you may be looking to add a little variety to your, you know, I say cruising portfolio in a way. But just trying something different. Again, this uh, the Empress of the Seas wasn't designed by Royal Caribbean. So it doesn't have that. You know, they converted it to Royal Caribbean flares, but it wasn't manufactured for Royal Caribbean originally. So the venues look a little different. Like you're going to find the gym is in the Viking Crown Lounge. And I know you're thinking, what? But it is. <laughs> it is. On the top floor of the Viking Crown Lounge, you will find the gym. And on the bottom, you'll have uh, the dance floor. So you'll see little differences like that. So if you're, you know, experienced cruiser and you're like, I don't want to do that small ship. I really encourage you to try it. Try something different. Um, if you don't like it, you don't have to go back. But if you enjoy that slower paced cruise, I, I promise you, you're gonna you're gonna love the Empress of the Seas. Very good. Well, Michael, thank you so much for talking about Empress here and uh, sharing with us your insight into the ship. It sounds like a really cool ship. I got to say, I, it's really grown on me. And I think obviously the other thing is once uh, Royal Caribbean receives permission to go to Cuba, that's going to be a whole different game changer, right? And I think a lot of people are maybe just waiting for that opportunity to say, hey, well, you know, let's go on Empress and let's go explore a brand new country that we, well, at least Americans have not been able to visit uh, in, in quite some time. So, you know, that may be the the happy medium there. But it, it is a really interesting thing. I think they did a great job with it. I mean, everything I've, I've seen from what you've posted on com and hearing your thoughts here, you know, and give me, give us your closing thoughts on Empress, but it sounds to me like it's, it's a really cool ship and something, like you said, it's a different experience. And I think for a lot of people who are looking to expand the horizons and try something different and new, I don't know how you can go wrong with this kind of an option, as long as you understand what it offers and what it doesn't offer. 
Right, exactly. And they go with the slogan, party, chill, repeat on their advertising and marketing. Don't let that discourage you if that's not necessarily your style of cruising because other than the pool deck party, that was really the only moment where I saw party, chill. You know, There's very slower pace ship. It's not that upbeat crowd that you may be thinking, but give it a shot. I think you're going to love it. It's that time of the show where I answer your listener emails, anything about Royal Caribbean, really, whatever's on your mind, we're here to talk about. Of course, you can email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com, whatever's on your mind. Hey, it's your, this is your form, your opportunity to talk Royal Caribbean with me. And our first email this week is from Daniel Stober of Harriman, Utah, where I time out, I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning. I thought about writing you many times, but because I usually listen while I'm running, I always forget to email you when I get back home. Recently, we've been planning a voyage for, on Allure of the Seas for February 2017, and I've been re-listening to all the old episodes, including Allure and Oasis, to glean some additional insights and tips. However, this email isn't about Allure. It's about other information I picked up while listening to episode 54. The episode was in back in August 2014, less than two years ago, but it's surprising how much information is already out of date. For example, Danielle said that she was not pre-booking specialty restaurants because she wanted to buy a specialty restaurant package, which was only available on board. Later, when she was advising an emailer who was looking for a discount on cruise photos, you recommended that he or she try to burn or bum rather some crown and anchor paper coupons of someone who wasn't going to use theirs. Of course, those coupon books have gone the way of horse racing on the pool deck. A lot changes in those two years. When I listened to this podcast originally, I was a married man, but that too has changed now. So when I heard about your talking about taking solo cruisers, I thought I would share some bit of insight that I have on this topic. Yes, it's true that solo cruisers do have to pay a single supplement, which doubles our fare, but there are a couple places which we can save some money, so it's not really twice as much. For example, when I used to cruise with my now ex-wife, I had to pay for airfare for the two of us. Now I only pay for one airfare. Also, while there is a single supplement, the solo cruiser does not have to pay double port taxes, and we don't have to pay double gratuities. The differences mean the amount that I pay now to cruise solo compared to what I paid when I was still married is not as great as a spread as you might think. Let me show you an example using February 19th sailing on Allure of the Seas and the pricing I see tonight. So as an example, Central Park Balcony on the February 19th sailing is about $987. Port tax fees are $113, and a flight from Salt Lake City to Fort Lauderdale is $482. And he breaks it down here, and it's hard to describe here in audio form, but he's got to break down between what it costs for a solo cruiser and a couple. And the total for the solo cruiser, when you factor in cruise fare, tor- taxes, port fees, gratuities, and airfare, is twenty six seventy two versus, for the couple, thirty three seventy. So Daniel continues, So if I were still married, the cruise would have cost me thirty three seventy, but now it's twenty six seventy two. Obviously, it would be nice with the price... Uh, for me, were half the thirty-three seventy, but it's not as bad as some people make it out to be when they hear the single supplement of two hundred percent. I calculated it to be about one hundred fifty-eight percent. My calculations would be even more favorable to the single cruiser if I had included some optional items like specialty restaurants and drink packages in the calculation. Obviously, as a single cruiser, I only have to pay the Chops Grill cover charge now. Bottom line. While the single supplement is not my favorite, I understand why they do it, but it's not as bad as you might think at first glance. Thanks for the great podcast and information. Daniel, wow, dude, that is amazing. Great math. First of all, I was told there would be no math on this podcast, but nonetheless, this is really interesting. I really did not consider this. And when you factor in, you know, cruise fare, taxes, port fees, gratuities, and airfare, Daniel's math comes out to be actually cheaper to go solo despite the single supplement fee that you're paying in the cruise first. That is really, really, it's really interesting food for thought, I got to say. 
when you can when you factor in all that. And so certainly anyone who's considering going solo and you think, oh, geez, that 200%, you know, uh, fee, uh, why am I paying it? I'm, I'm going to overpay for an experience. And, and I agree with what Daniel said. It, it's a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow to say, yeah, I'm going to pay double what I should be paying. But when you factor in all those other factors, I think airfare is a big one, though, because obviously if you live close enough to drive to your port, that may be a huge X factor. And if you took that away, the price difference is going to be significantly less. But for those folks who are, have to fly to their ports, hey, this is some something to consider, especially maybe you've been saying, I'm not going to go on that cruise because I don't want to pay a single supplement. It's going to cost me more money. But in reality, you're still coming out ahead compared to paying for two. I don't don't know if that <laughs> if that makes it easier for you to understand. But hey, it's interesting math nonetheless. So thank you, Daniel, for sharing that. Great information. I love that. I learned something today. How about that? Uh, next up, we have an email from Damian Lickard of Lisbon, Connecticut. Matt, long-time listener, finally getting around to getting my family on a cruise. My wife and I got engaged on a Hawaiian cruise 10 years ago, but I haven't done any since then. Now we want to bring the kiddos on one. Saw your video and blog post about the upgrades refurbishment to Adventure this season. I have to ask, how the heck do they add all that stuff? Slides, wave rider, restaurants, and still manage to add staterooms. Sounds like quite the overhaul. Have any insight? Damien's a great question. A lot of people wonder that as well. So this is Adventure of the Seas is not the first Royal Caribbean ship to be getting these upgrades. Essentially what they do is they do they take away certain other venues. Sometimes it's venues that are not necessary, like a lot of times on the ships they took away like the mini golf or the inline skating rink, which you know, the inline skating was never that popular, evidently. And so they, they can take that kind of stuff away and they replace it with something else. In other cases, they have taken away other public spaces to make room for other staterooms and other venues. So in a lot of cases, you're going to find restaurants have – it's a combination of a couple different things. Sometimes they take the space of a of, 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 of a public space or an open space or somewhere in between. So they, they do make it work. Um, and, a, and a lot of people who – I'll tell you the negative about it. People will complain, well, they take away private spaces or public spaces that used to exist, and now there's private spaces that cost money. The the number one example I always hear about is the Viking Crown Lounge. And I they're, they're right. There are less public spaces on board, and they're replaced with places that cost you money to go to. I would say that in general, I think the upgrades are actually a good thing. I like having choice. I like having more options and adding the stuff Adventures getting is really impressive. You know, the new restaurants, the Flow Rider, the the slides. I mean, these are things that are really going to make people like myself think twice. Because I would have told you before this, Adventure of the Seas, yeah, I'd like to go on here, but it's not, wouldn't be near the top of my list. But the addition of water slides, just to give you an example, Liberty of the Seas got water slides not too long ago. And ever since then, every cruise we look to book, I'm always telling my wife, how about we fly to Galveston and go on Liberty? Because I want to go, I want to go on the water slides. That is such a compelling change for me. So I think that while, sure, in a perfect world, we'd love to have all the public spaces and, you know, just maybe stretch that ship out kind of like you do with with Play-Doh and, you know, make it work. But the reality is I'm willing to trade some of that. I'm willing to trade on some of the Voyager class ships, the, the dance club for a new restaurant and maybe some new rooms as well. To me, it's 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 a worthwhile trade. I think we're still coming out ahead because a lot of people have shown they want to have a lot of variety, a lot of choice in what is available on the ship. And so, Damien, if you're going to go on adventure, I think you'd you'd pick a great ship. And boy, I would love to go out there and check her out myself because it looks like it's a really impressive those changes they're adding to there. So, uh, and I'll, of course, I'll post a link in our show notes at realcarbonblog.com to details about what adventure this season is getting. If you haven't seen it yet, you have to check it out because it is really cool. 
Next, we have an email from Perry, who writes, I enjoy your blog and comments. Family's going on adventure of the seas. There you go. Uh, Selling from San Juan, July uh, 30th of next year. Our family of 11 people ranging from one and a half years old, our granddaughter, to 85 years old, my mother-in-law. The cruise will take us to St. Martin and St. Kitts. I'd be interested in your driver for St. Martin. Can you please provide the contact information along for us the cost? We have done the St. Kitts Island tour with, with Tenford Gray. Not sure about the adults liking the train tour. Any additional thoughts on this or another tour of the island? Well, Perry, I'll send you an email to your email about with, with my driver. Leo is my friend who uh, is a taxi driver in St. Martin. I discovered him a number, number of years ago. You may have heard me talk about him on previous episodes where he's just a really great driver. And it's really he charges way too lo- low for what he offers and really personalized tour of the island. I've always enjoyed him. And a lot of folks here from RoyalCoreanBlog.com have used his services in the last couple of years and reported back very similar experiences. So he's a great guy. And I will email you, Perry, his phone number. The other question you had was about what to do in St. Kitts. You've done the St. Kitts Island tour, and you're not sure about the train tour. It's kind of interesting. You mentioned the adults liking the train tour. Usually people say, well, what about the children? But uh, the train tour I enjoyed. I didn't think it was my favorite excursion I've ever done. If I were to go back to St. Kitts tomorrow, I would probably not book the train tour again. I don't think it's that kind of an excursion that you do over and over again. I do think that there are some some great options there. I've only done the train tour personally, so anything else I'd be speculating about. But there are some really cool island tours. I would maybe focus on something that does more of a of a beach option. The other thing that I considered strongly for a while, and this is from uh, one of my favorite websites, resortforaday.com. They're a, they are a website that sells you day passes to a number of resorts, and St. Kitts is one of them. And they have one at the Marriott Resort and Royal Beach Casino in St. Kitts. It's $59 per person. Children under 17 and under are free with a paying adult. And it's basically an all-inclusive resort that and what's included is access to the beach, lounge chairs, umbrellas, beach cabanas, use of the swimming pools, the whirlpool, the kids club, the Wi-Fi, and then you also get a discount on food and beverage and also treatments at the spot. So it's it's not exactly an all-inclusive. I probably shouldn't have said that before. What I meant is it's it's a day pass, just access to the resort to use their facilities, and then you can obviously uh, purchase whatever alcohol or drinks you want. But for the price for was it fifty nine dollars? That's really not bad, and and. Uh, that might be something. If, if I were to go back there, think it's again, I would really look at this resort because I like these kind of options. Because for, with the group as varied as you have, with in terms of ages, it offers the beach experience, it offers the pool experience, it offers the kids club. It, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of a lot of different options. And based on the photos I've seen, it looks really nice. So. That'd be what I would lean to, but hey, there's lots of uh, good choices there in St. Kitts. It's a, it's an interesting. I don't know, a lot, a lot of things going on there. So, um, of course, uh, Perry, when you get back, please let me know what you end up choosing and whether or not it was a good decision or not. Because boy, there are so many great choices in St. Kitts, and I would love to know what you ended up picking and how it worked out. Next, we have an email from Hayden from London, UK. Matt, I send the cruise compasses via the website. Thank you very much, by the way, Hayden. After two Disney Cruise Lines, we decided to give Royal Caribbean a try, and with the thought to go big or stay home, we booked a seven-night Mediterranean cruise on Harmony of the Season. Thought you and your listeners would be interested in the trip. Firstly, the good. The shows were wonderful. Greece is brilliant, and the cast is great. Columbus is strange, and even a week later, I'm not still not sure if it's the right side of weird. Fine Line and Hideaway Heights in the Aqua Theater are good use of the space, and do rival... Uh, the Bellagio in Las Vegas. Even the ice skating shows, which I was unsure about, were really good fun. I especially enjoyed ice skate. 
The artwork around the ship is wonderful, and we did try to work it out, even if it was changed during the cruise. We never saw anyone working on it, but what images we could use on the staircase did seem to change. That's interesting. The guacamole at Sabor, you are right. We went on our first night and did keep planning going back just for the guacamole, but never managed to find the time, sadly. The rest of our meal was not up to the starter. <laughs> Wonderland, the food and service was great. Our server, Roxana from Romania, was extra helpful. And we didn't mention her on the review forms. Izumi was a wonderful end to the cruise as we went on the last day for the Hibachi experience. And our chef was a great entertainer. And now the bad. Probably due to us booking so late, we were given my time dining, but could not get reservations in the main dining room that would let us see the shows, which does seem strange, but this is probably due to having to allow two hours for dinner, but dinner took more than 90 minutes or so, except for maybe Wonderland. Also, my wife has a dietary restriction, and we never felt the restaurants actually made an effort to cater to her, except for Wonderland. As this was not the first Oasis-class ship, I was a bit surprised that with Central Park rooms, we could see into the rooms on the other side of the park, which did make getting dressed fun as if we could see into their room, they could see to ours, but we managed to rig something up by only opening one side of the curtain so we could get light and open the wardrobe door so we were hidden from view, but would not invest in a few net curtains. We think the solarium is supposed to be adult only, but... No one from the crew was enforcing that. Indeed, we sailed away while relaxing views were interrupted by small children running and jumping on the lounger that we were using. And overall, we had a good time and look at booking Royal Caribbean again on a smaller ship, which might help solve some of the issues that we ran into. Hayden, I love the email. Thank you so much. And actually, Hayden has a lot more here. We didn't have time for everything here. But I think that it's important to, to talk about some of the things that he brought up here. Harmony is a brand new ship, and I love getting that kind of insight on it. It's interesting about the My Time Dining. So here's something. Here's a little tip, and Hayden, this didn't help you on your past cruise, obviously, but this might help you and anyone else in this situation on a future cruise. Let's say you, you book a cruise last minute or whatever. It doesn't really matter. And they say, oh, gosh darn it, Matt. Uh, you know, you're not gonna, we're not going to be able to get the, the dining room assignment you want, whether that's traditional dining like Hayden wanted or My Time Dining or Dynamic Dining Classic, whatever the case may be. If the dining option you want is not available, that's okay. There's a couple things you can do. First of all, put yourself on a wait list. Your travel agent should be able to do that for you. There are wait lists that are available for the particular dining rotations that you're interested in. And, and or, I'll put this as an and or, when you get on board the ship on embarkation day, go to the main dining room. There will be a head waiter on duty there. And speak to the head waiter and say, hey, I'm interested, you know, I'm in my time. Well, I'll use Hayden's situation here as the example. I'm in my time dining. I'd really prefer to be in first seating traditional or second seating can you tra- can you transfer us this strategy has worked almost i think all the time anyone has ever used it that i've ever heard of certainly i had this happen to me once where the waitlist did not come through for me we went on board the ship and the, the head waiter could not have been more helpful just was like oh yeah no problem at all and they and they quickly changed this up so my advice i'm not sure if you did that hayden but if you didn't and you ran into the situation again that's what you want to do. Now, in terms of the dining, when you have dietary restrictions, it's really important that you, uh, not, and first of all, I, I'm surprised to hear that you had issues getting uh, the, the addressed to your wife's satisfaction. That's obviously never a, a good thing. I will tell you that uh, there's a couple things you're going to want to do in general as kind of a best practice when it comes to uh, you know what you should do if you have dietary needs. Because dietary needs are a very common you know, request. It could be something as simple as you don't want a lot of salt in your food to maybe you have a, you know, there's something, you know, really life and death, right? You've, you've, you're allergic to something, whatever. 
there's a lot of great options for you. So what you want to do is uh, make a note in your reservation again. You want to, just like I mentioned about your dining rotation, let them know that you, whatever dietary restriction you have. Royal Caribbean says you have to notify them at least 45 days prior to sailing or 90 days for European or South American itineraries. And on top of that, what I would also tell you to do is send an email to special underscore needs at rccl.com, special underscore needs at rccl.com and include your, your name, your guest name, that is, uh, the booking number, the ship name and sale date. And that will be a better thing to do. And the last thing you want to do on top of all that is on your first day in the main dining room, you want to go speak to the head waiter and, and get some, uh, Make sure that they're aware of everything you need. Most time they'll be like, "Oh yeah, no problem. We know everything about it." But make sure it's it's well aware. And obviously, set up anything you may need for other meals because obviously your wife is eating more than dinner on the ship, right? There's breakfast and lunch, and they can provide options for you as well. Uh, Royal Caribbean does a pretty good job, I think, actually, in, in offering a lot of uh, special dietary requests off the bat. I mean, if you're looking, if you're a vegetarian, not not vegan necessarily, but vegetarian. I think it's very easy. They have a lot of great options there. But if you're looking to, you know, maybe you, you, you eat kosher, you want low fat, low sodium, there's a lot of different options that are out there for you. And certainly working with Royal Caribbean is the best thing to do. So tell your travel agent, send an email, and then speak to the head waiter on board your ship. That's really the what you need to do to take advantage, you know, to make sure that your, your needs are met because there's no excuse for it. And that should absolutely not be the case. And the last bit you mentioned was about the solarium and enforcing the rules it's kind of a weird thing. And uh, this is something that if I were a CEO of Royal Caribbean, I think I would, and this is not going <laughs> to, as CEO, this would not make the shares, the, the stockholders happier, happier, right? It's not going to affect the share price at all. But I do think that a policy that needs to be looked at is the enforcing or not enforcing of rules. There's a, unfortunately, Royal Caribbean, you, you'll run into situations where rules are enforced sometimes and unenforced other times. You know, you'll go on ships where sometimes you have to sign out the the, ta- the pool towels and other ships they don't care and they just give them to you. To me, that's silly. There shouldn't be that, right? And you mentioned the in the solarium, the the rule is you know certain kids are not allowed there. I don't know actually, to be honest with you, and I'm thinking about this on top of my head. I don't know if the rule is the kids aren't allowed in the solarium at all, or they're not allowed in the pool because there is a distinction. It's not like the casino where you know you can't walk in the casino or anything like that. I think kids are allowed to walk through because it's a venue to get from point A to point B, but. I'm not sure if the rule is the venue altogether or just the pool. I'm thinking it's just the pool if you read the verbiage, because where's the verbiage located? Right by the pool. Um, But nonetheless, I'm I'm sorry to hear that you had some of those issues, but I'm hoping the good overwhelmed the bad, Hayden. And like you said, it sounded like you're going to be booking another cruise on maybe a smaller ship, so maybe you'll find the right fit for you. And I appreciate the email, Hayden. It's always good to hear firsthand uh, thoughts and, and reviews of people's experiences on board. Next up, we have an email from Teresa who writes, Matt, love the podcast. I can't find a travel agent that gives me any better offer than booking with Royal Caribbean, and they want the fully paid balance 14 weeks in advance. I've tried a couple of options, for example, online cruise specialists or high street agents. The best we managed there was a 5% discount, so you're just welcome on base in Northern Ireland. Teresa, thanks for the email. That's a great question. So first of all, you live in Northern Ireland. You're, the rules for booking for you is different than the rules for booking for me. I don't know why the rules for booking vary from country to country, region to region. I don't know if it's Royal Caribbean or if it's national, you know, rules of the country in terms of travel. I don't begin to understand it, but I will tell you a couple things. Number one, you are going about in the right way by going with a travel agent. The reason why, the number one reason to use a travel agent, Teresa, believe it or not, is not to save money. You're going to save money over booking with Royal Caribbean. It's about the level of service. It's someone there. It's your partner 
in the process. And the number one reason you should book a cruise, and you should still do this, Teresa, is because you're going to have someone there who's going to be managing your reservation for you, who's going to be able to answer questions for you and help you pick a great vacation. And I do it all the time. Look, I've been on plenty of cruises. I don't need anyone to tell me the difference between an ocean view and a balcony. But that being said, I still like not having to call Royal Caribbean. And so, you know, when there's pricing differences or, you know what, someone's name is misspelled or can you add someone's uh, Crown and Anchor Society number, which happens all the time, you know, can you add my daughter's? Okay, cool. They do it for me. I don't have to worry about it. And that's the number one reason. Now, yes, can these absolutely save you money? Sure. And that's a nice benefit too. Certainly, travel agents are well-versed in the various discounts that are on there. They may have access to special discounts through their own travel agency. Maybe they have a group going on the same cruise as you. You'll be able to get a discount there. So my advice to you is, I can't speak to the fully paid balance 14 weeks in advance. I don't know if that's a, if that's just a Royal Caribbean's policy in the in in uh, the UK or if it's a if it's a UK law. I I, I don't know, but I will tell you that um, I still think you should use a travel agent, and I, I am. I, I feel very strongly about this because I think that it's it's only to your benefit, Teresa. You're only standing to benefit by having someone in your quarter, so to speak, to help you throughout the process, whether you're you're brand new to cruising or you're someone who's been cruising many, 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 many times. Having someone there because when things go wrong, and things can go wrong, it's it happens sometimes, oops. They someone's name is misspelled or there's an issue. Things happen all the time, whether it's before the cruise or on the cruise. Having a travel agent there to help you fight it is really nice. It makes a big difference and it costs you nothing extra. So I don't see why there's a reason to not use a travel agent, quite honestly. So um, I'm, I'm my, my advice to you, Teresa, is still go for it. And of course, email them. You don't have to you know, book with the first one you find, you know, email around, ask some questions, maybe give them a call if they've got a phone number you can reach them at and, you know, t- ask them exactly what you just told me here and see what they have to say to you because maybe they're going to give you an answer and some insight that you hadn't considered and maybe that'll answer your question there and better yet, you, that may be that kind of helpful advice that you're looking for with a travel agent so it's win-win for everyone. So, but it's a good email, Teresa, and I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you so much. And our last email comes to us from Jeff Smith from North Ridgeville, Ohio. Matt, thanks again for everything on the podcast. Amazing information. I just booked another cruise in March 2017. Wait for it. Navigator of the Seas. I think you've heard of that one. <laughs> My wife and I are going on the nine-day ABC Island sailing. My questions are, what specialty restaurants are all you can eat, if there are any? Can you sum up all your must-dos in Navigator? Keep up the great work, and thanks again. Wow, Jeff, great choice. Actually, we're going on that exact same itinerary on that exact same ship a month before you in February. And you know what, Jeff, if you want to change your mind, there's still time. You can join us for it on the Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruise. Uh, I'll post more information about it in our show notes there so you can uh, think about that. If you can't, that's all right, too. But uh, So what specialty restaurants are, that are all you can eat? There are uh, definitely some that are in there. So certainly uh, your specialty restaurant choices in general are Giovanni Sable, Chops Grill, Sabor, Johnny Rockets. And I think that's it. I think those are the the four. So Johnny Rockets is true all you can eat. You can order as many burgers as you want. They'll bring you as many fries. The only thing that's not included in your cover charge is the shakes or beverages in general. And that obviously has an extra surcharge to it. Unless you have a drink package, and that's included as well. So that's pretty straightforward. Chops does have uh, allow you to get unlimited appetizers and desserts. But entrees, it's only one. After one, they charge you a surcharge for each additional entree. I'll tell you, it's... I, I can't imagine or eating two sticks. I'm sorry. I mean, I know there are different structures and folks. I'm sure there are people out there that says, Matt, you lightweight. You can easily eat two sticks in a meal. 
more power to you if you can. I can't. I, between the appetizers, yeah, if I ate just a steak, sure. But between the appetizers and the amazing sides and desserts, oh my gosh, I, I can't even imagine. Giovanni's is the same way, but Giovanni's is a little bit easier because they break up their menu. There's not just entrees. There's pastas, and then there's the, the, and there's entrees. On, so, but they're both entrees. Don't ask. I don't know. But <laughs> my point is you can order from different columns and, and, and still be okay in that regard. So... Uh, that should, and Sabor is the same way as well. They have many different breakdowns between, you know, tacos and, and fish and uh, uh, starters. So there's a lot of opportunity to uh, get variety without having to worry about um, ordering multiple entrees in the academic sense of the word. Does that make sense? And I hope that, that, that makes it easy for you. In terms of uh, must-dos on navigators, you have to check out the ice skating show. It is amazing. Sabor. Got to, oh, the other one was, of course, Izumi, but Izumi, uh, by the way, for anyone who's going to send me an email about this, Izumi is not all-inclusive. It's it's all a cart pricing, so you, you, you pay for what you eat. I knew there was one more. It was, it was really bothering me what the other restaurant was. Uh, so, But Sabor, definitely must do on board. I love Sabor, as you may have heard me talk about before. Uh, the, um, the ice skating show, really, really good. I really enjoy that. The Broadway review show is pretty good. They they do that I think on like one of the early nights in the in the theater. Really great job on there. You've got the Flow Rider. I'll post also a show, a link in our show notes rather, Jeff, to the top ten Navigator of the Seas hidden secrets blog post that I wrote on RollCrimmonBlog.com. So you can check that out and get some insight into what to expect there. Here's a lot of great things. I I love Navigator. It's a fabulous ship. There's a lot of great things. And and Jeff, my advice to you also, if you haven't done it already, is read some of the live blogs. I've done I've done two of them now. On Navigator of the Seas, I'll post another link in the show notes. Why not? While I'm at it, and you can take a listen to that, and or take a read on that while you're listening to this, and see what I ended up doing on the ship. There's a lot going on, and there's a lot of great activities, so don't miss out on that because it's a it's a wonderful cruise. And I don't know about you, Jeff, but I am super excited for this itinerary because it's a nine night, so extra long cruise. ABC Islands, Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao, and Labadee. I uh, I can't wait. This will be so much fun. And on top of all that, it's a Royal Green Blog group cruise, so I get to cruise with so many of you who you know we we've talked with here on the podcast and comment on the on RoyalCreamBlog.com or maybe talk to on Periscope. I can't wait. And of course, if you want to join us for it, I'm inviting you personally. I'm inviting you, Jeff, personally. I'm inviting every single one of you listening at home to join me for it because it's going to be an awesome time on Navigator this season. Check out our show notes for the link to the group cruise information so you can get a no-obligation, free quote, very easy. I would love for as many folks as you to join uh, this cruise because it's going to be amazing. I, I am really excited about it, so definitely want to check that out if you can because this the ship, the itinerary, wow. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Love talking Royal Caribbean with each and every one of you. And uh, thanks for checking us out here on the podcast. And, of course, check out RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com for even more Royal Caribbean information just while waiting for you at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.